Father, we come into this place this morning to seek your face. Father, we love you. Father, that song is here I am to worship you today. Here I am to bow down and say that you're my God. Lord, may that be our heart's desire in this place this morning as we lift you up today in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Welcome to Concord. We are excited that you are in the house. Um, got us, Usher's got some room down front, some spots down here. So if you got some other folks that need seats, you can bring them on down. All right, everybody stand up. Find somebody that you don't know. Tell them it's good to see them this morning. Do it right now.
the ladies. Come on, girls, sing it. Ready?
exciting to be in God's house, isn't it? And wonderful to know that indeed God has lifted our heads. He's done that by His grace. And man, choir, I just appreciate y'all leading us this morning. Phenomenal, phenomenal job. God bless you. Thank you so much. They're going to kind of make their way to their seats. Some of them are headed out. They were in the early service. But when you came in, most of you should have received one of these little cards right here. It's called an I Challenge card. You can remember a few weeks ago, I preached a message to challenge the congregation, challenge you to be involved in a daily devotion with the Lord, challenge you also to get involved in small group Sunday school class. And as a matter of fact, it makes me wonder how our visitor class did this morning. Chuck in here, Chuck Keener. 61 people in our visitor class this morning. Good grief. That's awesome, man. Very good. But also, we challenged you to share the gospel this year. And so when I put on your heart and ask you to do, begin to pray for five people. So you'll see in this line here on this card, there are five blanks. What I'd like for you to do this morning, if you just take it out and look at it with me for just a second, I'd encourage you, if you would, just to write some names down of people that God has put in your life who you know need the gospel. And you wanna begin praying that the Lord will soften their heart and begin to work upon their lives so that you could come alongside them and share the good news of the Lord Jesus. 
you know, as you do that, I'll kind of share a quick little story. I made a phone call last week to somebody who had visited with us. And my goal was to share the gospel with them. I don't mind doing it over the telephone. And so uh, I got to the point where I could share the gospel. And she let me know she was already a follower of the Lord, but her son wasn't saved. He, he didn't know the Lord and he needed to be saved. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm coming to your house tomorrow night or Monday night rather. So uh, Monday night, we've got visitation. She said, well, I'll tell you what, my daughter's not saved either. I said, invite her. I said, anybody else in your neighborhood lost, bring them all. And uh, we'll get together and share the gospel with them. But really that's the heartbeat. And look, God has given us a unique privilege. I mean, out of heaven, he's called every single one of us to share the good news. And what a tremendous opportunity to share how the Lord can lift people's heads. But we've got to pray for them. As we pray that God works on their heart, then we come alongside with the seed of the gospel and the spirit of God will call people to salvation. And that's what I want to be involved in, amen? And I believe that's what your heart is too. So let's just lift up these to you. Father, in Jesus' name, a lot of names written down in our early service. I'm trusting a lot of people's names written down even in this service. God, you know their hearts, you know their condition. And Father, the Bible says that you're not willing that any should perish, but all to come to everlasting life. So I wanna pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to work upon every single person's life that has been marked down today. God, I pray that you would put it in our souls, really to lift them up continually, that they might come to know you personally. And then God, just pray for divine opportunities. Open the doors for us to share the good news. And God, we pray as well that you'd call people out of their dead state, dead in their trespasses and sin. Reach out there with resurrection power and bring them alive. And I trust that you can do that. Already seen it happen this morning in our early service. Already seen it happen on the way over to this service. So God, I'm expecting great things as we continue to be faithful to do what you've called us to do. Hear our worship this morning. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved
just thank the Lord for his mercy in this place this today, this morning. What a blessing. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Well, if you got a Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to open it with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Did you bring your Bible? Say amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, we begin a new series this morning entitled Proclaim. It will probably carry us for the next couple of chapters as we go verse by verse through 1 Peter. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, if you want to stand in honor of God's word, let's read that together. The Bible says, beginning in verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of his darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good works, and observe them, glorify your God in the day of visitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the scripture and the opportunity once again to deliver your word. I stand here in absolute need of the Spirit of God to take control. So, Lord Jesus, I pray my flesh is put to death in this moment and that you would speak to hearts. God, I believe you've got a message for your people today. So, Lord God, I pray you would overwhelm us with your presence as you already have during our time of worship. God, I also want to pray if there are those here today who don't know you personally, they've never genuinely come to faith in you, desired to follow you. God, do something in their heart today and call them to salvation, and we'll give you glory for it, and it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, God chose in the Old Testament Israel to be his divine mouthpiece to lost nations, but their disobedience and hard-heartedness caused them to reject God and his son, Jesus Christ. Now, as a result, Israel has been put on the shelf for a season, and the church has taken Israel's role. So, we see in the New Testament that the church, the company of the called out ones, has become God's divine mouthpiece to the lost nations. Peter's writing to a group of Jewish converts. They were being persecuted for their allegiance to Christ by both Jew and Gentile alike. Gentile Romans in particular were actually dogging the heels, so to speak, of these new Jewish converts, and they were scattering them all over the place through fierce persecution. But also, the Jews were persecuting these Jewish believers. In fact, in my study this past week, a song came to mind that might have been sung by the Jews during this particular day. Had they known it, they would have sang it to the Jewish converts. And you may say, well, what song is that? Well, the song is Mr. Big Stuff. Have y'all heard this song? Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Stuff. <laughs> I didn't do that in the first service. Y'all are so blessed. But, uh. For the Jews to see their own people following Jesus Christ, it caused them great bitterness and even anger. You know, in fact, they would say, who in the world do they think they are? You know, Peter, however, in his letters shows that the church has assumed the role of Israel during these particular days to accomplish what Israel failed to do. Now, Peter writes to establish in the New Testament church's heart and mind just who they are in verse 9. Now, all of you who know Jesus Christ personally, the truths that we are about to hear, just, I mean, just rapid fire put out there in front of us in verse 9, they are true of you as well. But notice what Peter says. He says, you are a chosen race. 
Now the word chosen is electos, it means elect or selected. The word race is the Greek word ginos, which carries the idea of family genes that have been passed down. Indeed, the New Testament church is a selected family. You who have come to Christ by faith were conceived by the word of God. You've been adopted into the family of God, and now God is your father. You are a chosen race. But then Peter goes on and says, you are a royal priesthood. Royal in the sense that you're part of a new kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, God's kingdom. This kingdom has a priesthood which serves the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The day you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a part of the priesthood of the believers. That is, you now have direct access to the throne of God through the Son, Jesus Christ. But the Bible also says you are a holy nation. You are holy in the sense that you are a dedicated group. You were conceived by the word of God. You were bought by the son of God and dedicated to the service of God by the Holy Spirit of God. Now the word nation is the word ethnos in the Greek New Testament. It gives us the idea of ethnic groups. See, people held tightly to their ethnic backgrounds in these particular days that Peter's writing. It was a big deal to be a Jew. It was a big deal to be a Samaritan, a Greek, or even a Gentile or some other ethnic uh, group. God's word says, however, you, as followers of Jesus Christ, you are a brand new ethnic group. See, in this group, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God's work in us through the gospel, this is huge, it dispels any concept of racism or classism. If you claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're a racist, I'm gonna tell you, you don't follow the Jesus of the Bible. Y'all all right? But uh, as people come to faith in Jesus Christ in this fellowship, it doesn't matter if they're white, they're black, they're Indian, Asian, poor, middle class, or yuppies. The Bible says that we are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are a brand new ethnic group. You're a holy nation. Isn't that interesting? I, you know, I just didn't think about this till just now, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, whenever you fill out information, a lot of times they ask you what ethnicity you are. What are you? You know, they want to know if you're Caucasian, African American, you got to go through there and serve. I've never seen one that said a follower of Christ. We ought to just start adding that in because we're a new ethnic group. <laughs> Y'all out there, that was worth the trip, wasn't it? Let me give you the next deal. You are God's own possession. God owns you and I who are in Jesus Christ. You were bought with the price of his son's blood and God now holds you in his hand, the Bible says, and will preserve you who are his for all of eternity. Now in verse 10, the Bible says, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, at one point in your life, you were not a people of the Lord and you had zero mercy. That is, you were not God's possession. You were subject to his divine wrath for your sins. However, things have changed for you because of Jesus Christ. Now you are God's people and you are not going to get what you otherwise deserved, which was God's wrath. Instead, you get mercy. <laughs> That'd have been a good place if y'all were amening. But the church is to God now, as well as to the world now, what Israel was meant to be. Now that's all the introduction, and this morning we're gonna ask a major question of our text. If God has given us such a massive role, then what should we be doing? 
What are we to be about as a group of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I could even say it like this. What should we be about here at Concord according to the Bible? Well, there's a few things that I want to lay on your heart and really pray that God will put this not only in your brain, but in your heart and appropriate it in your life. That's been my prayer this morning. But let me give you these three truths this morning. First of all, what should we be doing? We must be bragging on Jesus. Verse 9, we must be bragging on Jesus. Notice what your Bible says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that, now that's a purposeful clause in your Bible. So that what? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, did you hear that? The Bible declares to the New Testament church that we are supposed to be proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Now the word proclaim, it is an action word and it is to be applied to all followers of Jesus Christ. It describes the activity of sharing what is concealed or hidden from the gaze of spectators. It means to advertise, it means to herald. It also has been used to describe the act of publishing. So we are to depart what is unknown to others. Now question, what is unknown to others? What is hidden from the spectator's view? Well, Peter says, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now the word excellencies magnifies both the virtue of Jesus Christ as well as the acts of our Lord. So you and I are supposed to be bragging on the character of Jesus as well as we ought to be bragging on the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as soon as you came to faith in Jesus, uh, bottom line is you received something. You may not know this, but as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you received a megaphone. Now, I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not going to do a somersault, but I do want you to know God has given you this so that you might brag on the person of Jesus Christ all of your days while you're here on earth. And the Bible says you're here just for a short period of time, so you better do all the bragging you possibly can now. <laughs> and so we brag on the Lord Jesus. What do we do? We brag on his mercy. We brag on his grace. We brag on his wrath. We brag on his love. We brag on all the excellencies of our Savior. You know, this past week, I had the opportunity to talk with a couple of people at our church, and they are having some physical difficulties. They're not doing well. And so I asked them, just tell me how you're feeling, how you're getting along. One response was like this, God's grace is sufficient. That's what she said to me. I know you're not doing well. How, how are you doing? God's grace is sufficient. Another guy asked, how you doing, man? I know you have had a bad week. How's things going? Here's what he says to me. Every morning I get up and just thank the Lord Jesus that I know him. Uh, what are they doing? Here's what they're doing. As soon as somebody comes to them like me, spectating them, how are you getting along? Here's what they do. Instead of gripe and complain, they pick up their megaphone and they brag on the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Are y'all listening? Wouldn't it be something else when you came into church this morning if every single one of us came in with a megaphone? That would be church, wouldn't it? But you did, so you came in here with the opportunity to brag on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, we not only brag on his character, but we brag on his wonderful acts. How many of you have been in a place in your life where you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, man, if God didn't show up, you were gonna be in a mess? But then, just when it was like, just when that all hope seemed to be lost, but then Jesus showed up. You better get your megaphone out and talk about it. Brag on him. He gives us that opportunity. You know, I'm always heavy-hearted coming out of Sunday school, but uh, we know somebody 
who's in the hospital not doing well. She went in for one particular operation. She's in the ninth grade. She comes out, and now her legs won't move, and they can't figure out what's going on. So we asked prayer for her during our time of Sunday school. Her name's uh, Aslan. Is that right? Am I making the Ansley, forgive me. Ansley is the first time I'd heard of it. But so we get down in there, we begin to pray. But as we were praying, I started thinking about the blind man. You know, the Bible says, they asked Jesus, why is this man born blind? Did he sin or did his daddy sin? He said, oh, no, no. Jesus said, don't worry about who sinned. This happened to him so that the glory of God might be revealed. Are y'all listening? So there are some trials that people go into and we think, my word, look at what's going on there. No, no, no. God is setting the stage for somebody to shout and declare his glory. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? So we do this. Now, listen very quickly. Uh, and I could just ask, you know, if we got real serious here for a moment, how many of you in the house this morning would say without a shadow of a doubt, I've been absolutely changed by the grace of the Lord? How many of you just say that? You, you, yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. I know you lifted your hand and God bless you. Glad I see those hands. It was good to see them. But whenever somebody asks you if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to shout it. You better believe I, here's what I used to look like. Here's how I met him. Here's how my life's changed. And if there is no change, there is no Christ. But somebody says, well, uh, what did Peter ask us to do? I mean, why are we so motivated to do this? Well, Peter says he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, the word darkness has been used to describe an evil world. It speaks of an abode of evil spirits. It's been used to describe a gloomy hell and blindness to the truth of the gospel. Somebody says, well, pastor, which one did Jesus call us out of? Did he call us out of an evil world, the abode of evil spirits, a gloomy hell, or blindness to the truth? He's called you out of every single one of them. <laughs> but he didn't just call you out of darkness. He put you into his marvelous light, the Bible says. That is, you are now in his family. You are in his truth. You are in his heaven. And for the first time, you are able to see. Uh, that's why I like whenever we uh, sing songs like Amazing Grace. And, you know, I love James because he doesn't ask anybody to stand up. He'll just get up here and start singing. But, but I see how it is. I can look around, and some of y'all just get beside yourself. My chains are gone. Like, I can't sit here and sing about this. You got to get up. Why do you get up? Because you got a megaphone. And you get after it in worship, man. And you lift up the Lord. And I'm fully convinced if every single one of us would bring one of these to church, spiritually speaking, and you started giving glory to God, you started bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ, we couldn't stir them with a stick in here. Because Jesus will draw people to himself, the Bible says. You know, I'm deeply convinced that most churches are dead because they stop bragging on the right thing. You know, they brag on their facilities, they brag on their membership numbers, they brag on their budgets. But I'd like to lead a rally cry for us this morning. How about Concord Baptist Church? We do what the Bible says. And when we get together, we don't gripe, we don't complain, but instead we fill our mouths with praise and glory to the Son of God. What a marvelous opportunity that would be. And we get to do it all the time. We'll do it again this evening. <laughs> that was my subtle way of saying, you ought to come to church tonight. <laughs> but, uh, so we brag on Jesus. But then there's a second thing you and I need to do. I pray we see this. This is really where I hope the Lord speaks to our hearts. We must stay away from our own sinful cravings. But verse 11, the Bible says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. 
We are aliens in the sense that this place is not our home. The Bible declares that our citizenship is in heaven. We are strangers in the sense that we are just passing through during our time of stay here on the earth. This is not all that there is to our lives, and thank the Lord Jesus for that. But now Peter says, while we are hanging out here on the earth, bragging on Jesus, just like we were set aside to do, we need to be sure we abstain from our own fleshly lust. And the word abstain means to avoid and keep our distance. So what are we called to avoid and keep our distance from? Listen, our fleshly lust. This speaks of our deep desires and longings for that which is unholy. This is best described as strong desires motivated by selfishness. And look, Peter isn't playing in this text either. He says that our fleshly lust wage war against our souls. Our fleshly lust line up like a military fleet to engage in battle against our own soul. And the worst enemy of our souls is our own fleshly cravings. Look, my biggest problem in life isn't the devil, it is Levi. That's my biggest problem. And one commentator wrote, and I quote, and it's a long one, but I want you to listen because it's good. Your selfish desires are mounting a full military campaign against your spiritual vitality and growth. Consistently satisfying our desires in a manner contrary to the word of God or consistently giving in to sinful desires will ultimately tear down the believer. To entertain such desires may appear attractive or harmless, but they are enemies which inflict harm on the Christian's soul, making us spiritually weak and ineffective, end quote. Good grief. Here, here's what we know, too. We keep the verse in its context. Peter's just told us why we were taken out of darkness and put into his marvelous light to proclaim the excellences of Jesus. Now, bottom line is this. When we give in to our own sinful, selfish cravings, we lose the spiritual energy to brag on Jesus. Hey, look at me just for a moment. Remember in your life? There used to be a time where, boy, you were so fired up to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. You could not hide your megaphone. Everybody you ran into, you were, just, you were just so overwhelmed at the love of God and what he's done in your life, man, that you were out there just telling everybody. But then the subtleness of sin creeps in and the devil uses the world system to attract your lust and your inner desires and all of a sudden, that, that old man within that you ought to put to death every single day because the Bible says that you take up your cross daily. You put that old man to death every single day, but he comes up and all of a sudden, you start in looking over at sin. You're enticed. It gets your grip. And then you start moving in a little closer to it. Let me just give it to you like this. You, you take your megaphone. Well, you can't get rid of your megaphone, but you see sin over there, and it just pulls you in, pulls you in, till finally you just said, you know what? It's been playing in my mind so long, I'm just going to do it. So you reach down and commit that particular sin. When you do it, you take this right here and you shove it inside of your megaphone. Good. Now how loud is it? It's muted. That's what the enemy wants to do in your life. And if you'll please listen closely. Some of you came to church with your megaphone, but you got so many pillows stuck in it, man. You have lost all of your shout. Used to be so fired up about the Lord Jesus, couldn't wait to worship him, couldn't wait to tell people about him, but something happened to you. What happened? You started sinning, shoving it down in here. The devil boy, he's sitting back going, you ain't gotta worry about him. He's muted. 
You know what some of you need to do this morning? You need to come before the Lord Jesus Christ in full repentance as a follower of Jesus. Say, Lord, I've been muted too long. I've lost my shout, but this morning I'm confessing my sin. I want you to get all of this mess out of me so you can leave looking like this. And you say, does it work like that? It sure does. That's why it's called grace. The Bible says, if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of you came in here dirty, you couldn't sing, you couldn't pray, you couldn't worship, but if you as a Christian in repentance will come before the Lord, he will clean you up and send you out with a new song. That's what he'll do. And it happened this morning. That's probably why I'm so fired up about it right now. Y'all all right? But this morning we gave an invitation and dear old saint, in the fellowship came forward and she grabbed my hand and said, that's me, my megaphone is silenced and I wanna get it cleaned out this morning. So we prayed together and I said, would you mind sharing that with the congregation? She looked at me and said, I don't wanna share it in front of everybody. I said, well, we just cleaned your megaphone out, you're ready now, <laughs> right? You're ready, I'm gonna give you a microphone too. So here we are, L listen, we come down here and she, she takes a microphone and all I wanted to do was to, I just wanted her to say one couple of things. I just wanted to say, I got my megaphone cleansed out this morning. I figured that would be sufficient. But instead the dear lady stood up with a husband next to her and said, I have been a terrible wife. I have been involved in sin. I have been wrapped up in alcohol for several years now. And this morning I want to confess it before the Lord and before the family. Y'all ain't even listening. Look, look at the preacher. Look, look, at, look at your pastor just a moment. Listen, listen, listen. Um, you and I do not have the capabilities to explain what God is up to. And when God begins to move on a person's life and radically change them, it's like we sit back and say, well, how in the world did that happen? I ain't got a clue, but I'll tell you what I'm fixing to do. Brag on Christ. <laughs> he does it. Well, there's so much in that. It's ridiculous, ain't it? <laughs> Can I give you one more? Well, he's in here this morning. I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, we were in Sunday school. I was sitting next to somebody who was a visitor. And I know you're in here, so I won't look at you. <laughs> yeah. Started talking to him, walking out. Now, remember, I just preached on live. I ought to be out here bragging on Jesus. I got my megaphone, boy. So here we go. We get up and walk out, and I shake his hand. Tell me what's going on with you, man. What's happening? And he says, man, I just I got an emptiness in my life and feel like I need to be back in church. I said, well, you know, and we're just walking down the hall. You know what's important is uh, a question, man. If you were to die right now, you think you'd go to heaven or hell? He said, well, I'm not real sure. Wait a minute, bud. Let's go into this class here. It was empty. We sat down. All right, so we stood right in front of a blackboard, and I just wrote his name up there, wrote God's name, said there's a big space between you. Explain sin. You're about to die and go to hell. You need to be saved. Would you like to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ? Sure would. <laughs> Down in the world. Listen, listen. Now, now I want to, you know, be as, uh, as serious as I can be because I know when, when you share something like that, somebody's like, well, he's just back here bragging on himself. No, I ain't. I do not have the ability to take somebody out of darkness with my hand and put them into the light. But I'll tell you who does have the ability. His hand has a nail scar in it. And he reaches out there to those in their darkness and pulls them over into the light. Changes their life. 
And I'll just say to you this morning, just as nice as I possibly can, there are some of you still in darkness listening to me preach. You're saying, you know what? I got the same thing. I got this nagging emptiness in me. You can't fill it up with anything in this world, bro. You desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. God put that emptiness in you on purpose. And he did it so you would seek after him. And then God in his sovereignty will just align the right people around you to share you the good news. This may be your opportunity. Well, the enemy knows that if we sin, man, messes us up. So he's going to try to muffle our ability to energetically declare the excellencies of God. Uh, let, me, let me, last story, and I've got to go to the next point. Y'all getting me all off here this morning. Spirit lead, I like you, bro. I don't know who you are, but spirit will lead us till 1.30. <laughs> had a buddy come in. He went to the men's conference uh, with us yesterday. It's a totally different story from first service. Came up to me after, after the first service and said, hey, man, telling you what, I talked about some friends of mine who were caught up in committing adultery in the first service, and, and one of them had the opportunity to help and saw God do a great work in his life. And, and then I ran into another one who still was just facing the mess. Man, he's got all this sin in his life. And I said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to come over here and talk with this buddy here. Uh, he's been through it. Come out of it. Let him just brag on the Lord in front of you for a minute. And so God used it. I got an email from him last night. Uh, the guy says he cut off his relationship with his girlfriend, went back to his wife, and asked her to forgive him. That's pretty good. I mean, that's just good. I wasn't even going to tell that. But anyway, so what ends up happening after the service is over with, now everybody's pretty much gone, but I had a buddy come down here and, and shake my hand. He said, man, I need you to pray for him. He said, that basically what he was getting at is he's lost his shout. His megaphone's dirty. So I said, well, man, what are you doing? And this, I, I won't do y'all like this. But I just said, what are you doing? You know, y'all not to be doing. You know, because it was pretty obvious on him. You know what I mean? Well, you know, all that stuff you talked about your friends, the guys you saw this weekend, he said, that's me. I said, no kidding. He said, if you repented of it, I have. You talked to your wife, I am. You know what he's doing? That's what you need to do this morning. Just come before the Lord. He just cleans it out. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, man. I just want to sit down and say, y'all ain't listening. <laughs> That's why, sir, you go to work. You ought to go in there with a megaphone. Shout it out. Here's my brother down here. He's visiting with us, um, Mr. Martin. Martin Toyota, right? I don't mean to bring you up, but uh, anyway. I called him up one day, too, because I, I didn't know him. I was going to share the gospel with him. I just assumed he might be lost. Uh, hey, I just want to call you up and talk to you, say what's up. You know, I, I don't really know you. I wanted to, really want to come over to your house, find out your story, find out if you knew the Lord. And, Make sure he's on his way to heaven. Come to find out, this old boy, he's got radio stations. Uh, and his name's going out there. And, and after he gives a little quid bit about his uh, business, he gives scripture afterwards. Amen. You know what he's doing? Megaphone. Are y'all listening? Now, I know a little bit about him. I know this much. If he can do it, you can. <laughs> Is that all right? All of us can. Just got to get this mess out. Get this mess out. And, and listen, this mess right here is going to attract you all day long. This right here is going to get your attention. You might drop it here this morning and walk out like this, and I've got it going on, but you'll find what will happen is this. You'll come back thinking about this stuff again. You'll be looking at it. Well, it's not a big deal. Well, let me just get a little bit of that pillow. Look, you can't ever get a little bit of it. And by the way, when you think you got a little bit of it, what's happening is it's getting all of you. So, so we, we get, here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, you ought to be 
fleeing immorality. And fleeing's fuego. It's where we get our English word fugitive. You know what Paul was telling Timothy? You ought to be running like a fugitive. What are you running from? Your own sin. So instead of getting over here and seeing how close you can get to it and checking it out, you ought to be running as far away from it as you possibly can. That's what God calls us to do. And when we do that, we're cleaned up and we can shout. Let me give you the last point. Y'all got to go. Last deal here. We must live a contagious lifestyle. You see verse 12 there. The Bible says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, the early church was under great scrutiny and criticism. There was one false rumor after another started about them. They were accused of being disloyal to the state, disloyal to Caesar. They were accused of purposely hurting businesses of the city and being people who were godless. And they said they were godless because they didn't have an idol to point to as their God. So Peter says, hey, don't try to defend yourself. You just keep bragging on Jesus and let them see your changed life. Now, how many of you know as soon as you say you're a Christian, people put you under a microscope. Uh, as a matter of fact, somebody may say, well, did you hear about old Jim? Heard he got religion down there at Concord Baptist Church. Really? You know, my cousin got religion one time. It'll wear off. Just give it a little time. Just keep watching. And that's what people are doing. They're watching you. Peter says they observe you. It gives the image of someone watching over you for a long period of time. Peter says, let them watch. Where they're waiting on religion to rub off on you, a relationship with Christ may rub off on them. Peter says they'll see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. We should be winsome witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost world. When people get around you, they should not feel condemned. Listen, they might be convicted because you smell like the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, but don't talk in such a way to condemn them, man. They are already condemned. Brag on what Jesus Christ has done for them and love on them without reservation. You know, as I was putting this together, I was thinking, you know, I really do. I want to be a contagious Christian. I like to get around people and be like salt. You know, when you get salt on your tongue, what happens? You become what? Thirsty, right? I'd like to get around people and they get thirsty for the Lord. Really, that's just it. You know what I mean? We're just being salt. It's like, good grief. I don't know what it is, but I've been around people like that, and that's my prayer. Um, let, me, let, me, let me close it like this. Can I... I've got like several paragraphs there, but let me just close it like this. He says, so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Look at your pastor for a moment. Some of you, you're out there shouting it out and people are observing you and you may run into somebody and all of a sudden they just completely disappear. But they used to rag you, man. Used to make fun of you, call you all sorts of names for your commitment to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And you hadn't heard from them. What you and I don't know is what the unseen hand of God might be up to in their life. They disappeared, you hadn't seen them. But I like how Peter says, he says, live in such a way so that, it, listen, if they respond to the gospel on the day of visitation, you both will glorify God. So they may disappear and you never see them until Jesus comes back for us. Then you show up at heaven, you're like up there at the throne getting your praise on with your megaphone. And it's a, uh, that all rhymed, didn't it? Sound like a, B-box, but anyway, so uh, forgive me. So you're up there and you, you're just worshiping the Lord and then all of a sudden you look over to your right. There's that guy that used to rag you out. Say, man, I was watching your life. 
I know, man, I was so ugly to you, but I left. And I know I, we never saw each other again, but, man, I, I couldn't go to bed at night because God was so heavy on my heart. That would be something else, wouldn't it? See, I'm fully convinced we, we're going to be some kind of shot when we get to heaven and we before the Lord. Be like, I didn't know you was going to be here. <laughs> How did you? I mean, really, I remember you used to rag us, man. You used to make fun of us. We used to go out and share the gospel, man. What happened? Hey, can, I, can you, listen, now this is going to sound ugly, but I'm really saying it in love. I don't want to be shocked to see you at heaven. Y'all with me? So I knew you was going to be there, man. I knew you'd be there. We were worshiping the Lord together right down there at Concord, and here we are now glorified, got brand new bodies. Listen to my voice. <laughs> well, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful.